Uh, I am recording. Looks like Craig yeah. is too. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got my notes up. Now all that we have to do is be a little funny for a couple minutes. All we got to do is do things a little differently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like I'm hovering on a cough, but it's not here. So I guess I'll just, you know, live dangerously. I want you to keep me posted <laughs> on that. Oh, okay. You know, there's there's a, like there's a, a universe like it's coming... in which you didn't have to be an asshole about it. <laughs> But no, chose... you know, just if it's approaching, you know, I want to know. And if it, if you don't think you're gonna cough, uh, let me know that too. You know, just so that I'm, I know what to expect. Okay, well, no, you've made it clear. I know what to expect from you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's contempt. Hmm. <coughs> Shit, I should have warned you. <laughs> I didn't have you... time. Ah, I was so caught off guard. And you did this to me. <laughs> that was a real cough, by the way. That was not a Yeah, well, and it was cough. real contempt. Yeah. That part I knew. I vote for our return to burning coal. Saturday morning, Ugh. the final Front Tuesday. <laughs> These are the voyages of the podcast Saturday morning Tuesdays. Rory, I'm it's hitting the button, but nothing's mission, happening. It's continuing mission to be an adult podcast for children's <laughs> cartoons. It says abort. Why isn't it aborted? <laughs> to boldly go where a bunch of other white guys have gone before. I'll put myself in the airlock, damn it. And then a blue text is starring Austin Bridges. And do I come in? And I think, yeah, and then it'll say, it's featuring Rory as Odo. Oh, all right. Get out of here, Renee. I should go last for that. For that featuring as Odo, I think should go last. You always did want to be a last. I think Odo's last. No, no, no. So I've got that right. So if I'm last, it's an introducing. And introducing Andy as Cisco's kid. No, no, no. Introducing Andy. Are we doing DS9? Introducing Andy as. Yeah, I'll be Quark, baby. <laughs> Give me that gold press latinum. <laughs> All right, everybody. Yeah, we're Saturday morning Tuesdays. Uh, you guessed it. We're doing Star Trek. And Star we're not Wars. Doing Star. Fucking we're love doing... Star Wars, baby. Love Star Wars. Have you seen Andor? That shit is Andor's real. So good. so good. Um, no, we're doing Star Trek, and we're not doing Star Trek the animated series. Uh, no, because someday. I don't know that I ever want to. Yeah. Well, true. Um, no, we're doing Star Trek Lower Decks. We're doing the other one of the now three-ish animated series in the Star Trek universe. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to start up front with a little disclaimer. This is going to be a real Star Trek shit boy episode. 
<laughs> I think it has to be, right? I think uh-huh. by the content of Lower Decks, which basically assumes the viewer has seen all of Star Trek, <laughs> um, I don't think we can really... If you have not seen any Star Trek, then this is... A lot of this is going to go above you. I think. And also, I don't know how to relate to you. Sure, of course. <laughs> but, you know, I think we just have to come in at the base level. I, I've seen the least amount of Star Trek of the three of us. That actually, sounds right. But uh, still, it's still, I mean, I don't know. I've, I've seen Next Gen. Your massive intelligence allows you to sort of Thank maintain. you. That's correct. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, to, to dive in. To stay afloat. Where others needed more research. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I just, I just wanted to say up front for anybody who's not connected to that world this is going to be we're going to be in it we're going to talk about names scary names like picard and kirk uh mm-hmm. that you know if you're not familiar with then like i don't know how much you're going to get from this show yeah i've seen i've seen quite a bit of most of star trek but i don't think i have like a full watch of any of the series under my belt sure i, don't, I think 80 probably does uh if every series counts <laughs> Oh, all of them? All of them from front to back? Yeah. I assumed I did I did the body of my Star Trek watching on syndicated TV. Sure. Yeah, that's where I started for sure. Yeah. Um I I, I can't say that I've seen every episode of Voyager. Um I like it, but it's not I don't know. I think I need to do a revisit on Voyager. I don't know if I was like in the right mindset or whatever when I initially did my full push through it. Uh yeah. I did Voyager's finish. good when it's good, but it it has a setup that is pretty, uh, pretty ripe for kind of uh, just not advancing. Like yeah. they're just floating through space very slowly. <laughs> Will they well, ever get home? I don't know. I mean, I just started DS9, but they are on a stationary platform and they don't yeah. go yeah. places. So there's also a bit of that. But people come and go. Yes, there's, sure. Like there's there's motion on this on the and on it's, the... there's a war. So well, spoilers. Um, No, get out of here. Get out of here. Look, so yes, I have seen all films and basically all shows except for the pieces of Voyager that I haven't seen. It's been a long time since I watched DS9. I enjoy Enterprise. We're going to get that right out at the front of this so that you know who you're dealing with. Everybody listening to this podcast. The ship, the Enterprise. Yeah, I enjoy ships. Star Trek Enterprise, the show with Scott Bakula. I enjoy it quite a bit. I liked it. It was really dumb, but I liked it a lot. I like all the shows. Faith of the heart. Is that what it is? I've got faith. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Of the heart. And no one's going to bend or break me. Um, Yeah. No. So I guess, I guess that means that the, uh, the, the, the battle of the bona fides I have won, but Mm -hmm. we're all, we're all Trek heads. We're all interested in what Trek has to offer. varying degrees. Yeah. I, uh, I, I personally appreciate, I'm going to say nothing that is new to anybody, but I really appreciate about Star Trek anime that uh, that it's anime, that it at its core, it is an anime. And I love that. Um, just like Rick and Morty. <laughs> just like Rick and Morty. It's an anime. No. Star Trek offers a still pretty uniquely positive science fiction view. It yeah. actually does science fiction uh, like it. It is that genre it doesn't really like play around outside of it too often i mean it adds some weird fantasy it adds some action thriller it adds whatever but like it it's pretty solidly sci-fi which is to say that it explores uh 
you know, technology and, and ideas and, and the human condition and the yeah. human condition. Exactly. It, yeah. it explores what it means to be human in the context of weird technology and space and other like sort of uh, extrapolations of the future. And it's capital S, capital F, baby. It's yeah, capital and- S, capital S. And it is and it is a future that is not pessimistic. And at least in the Federation, it becomes somewhat utopia, like a utopia. Uh, and I find that fascinating because everything else that you consume is so fucking cynical and sad. Yeah. There's also um, a refreshing lack of adherence to like the hero's journey. There's not a lot of Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. In... No, it's it's something I mock it for regularly on our podcast, right? <laughs> Where it just sort of the last minute is th- is what would be a third act of uh, yes. the hero's journey. Sure, <laughs> sure. And it yeah. is you know it is a formula that was forged on television. That was sort of designed for television and it kind of defined, you know, episodic television of like it defined the, you know, sort of mystery of the week. The yeah, I, you know, this like comfort science fiction. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking about as far as what it did for like genre fiction, you know, for taking, you know, the way that your Buffy's your, I mean, Mm -hmm. so many other shows pulled from this formula and it's been, I think to come to lower decks at the time that lower decks came out, uh, which was part of this like new wave of star Trek shows after like 20 years of, of -hmm. no star Trek TV or something. Something Um, stupid like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where we had Discovery, which is a good show. We had Picard either had started or was wasn't out yet. I don't know, but um, I think it had started when this but, came out. I could, I could but be Discovery was not giving us cozy mysteries in space. You know, it is like film. No, it's like you Discovery know, intense... is the end of a sentence that that was started with uh, with Enterprise. Uh, uh-huh. there's a long gap in the middle, but the, the, the question enterprise asks is what if Star Trek could have fate of the universe stakes and Constantly. the answer? Yeah. And, and even it is more episodic than, than the answer show that we eventually get of, of, of discovery, which is like Star Trek for the 2020s. And it is constantly everything is one single plot line everything is connected to everything else it's like one you know 10 hour movie yeah and and everything is gonna fall apart the second anybody you know like everybody's constantly sweating and freaking out and dying i like nobody has time to to dress up like sherlock holmes on the holodeck nobody has fucking time yeah yes so so discovery is is good but it's not it's not that right right yeah, and so and you know we now have uh, Strange New Worlds, which mm-hmm. fulfills that I think very very nicely. But before that, we didn't have that. And and the interesting thing with Lower Decks coming in uh, was it at times it felt like it was doing Star Trek better than the rest of Star Trek. Yeah, so was. so early. Early Lower Decks, it is certainly struggling to find its both its sort of its its feet and um, how it fits into the Pantheon, mm-hmm. um, because I think it wobbles between trying to be an honest to goodness sci-fi comedy and being a parody of both itself mm-hmm. and of Star Trek. Right. Yes. And of being and later. Yeah. 
I think it 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 really leans away from the sort of obvious parody jokes that people have been making for fifty years. Oh, the red shirts die. Blah, blah. Right, right. It's it's it's, it's not. Yeah. it's not. We've new. had gal in a post Galaxy Quest world, right, where all the best <laughs> and, yeah. Star Trek jokes have been made entrenched in sort of some in some of that Star Trek pulp. I think, and and, and to your point that like it would be difficult, I think, to engage with without that baseline. You don't need to know dates and facts about Star Trek. It holds up as a sci-fi comedy in its own right. It does. Yeah. You don't need an operational knowledge. You just need familiarity and and an appreciation goes a long way. Right. And but and any of the references will just kind of wash over you and you'll be like, oh, I'm sure that's but just they, nerd and they're stuff. and they're not really references. They just are kind of they're just being like, well, that time Riker went poop in somewhere. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of nothing most of the time. Yeah. They just acknowledge that there's characters that are like these sort of larger than life superheroes because Star Trek Star Trek paints the bridge crew as the only characters in this space opera mm-hmm. and that their their kind of crazy adventures are the norm of that world because we don't ever we don't have a uh, oh shit what was the name of the uh, BSG uh, spinoff ca- ca- oh Caprica. Caprica. We don't have like a, a a show that takes place on on Earth that's just daily life in the Federation, right? Exactly. We only have these sort of naval military stories. So, so, so lower decks, while still being true to that, you're still on a spaceship and still doing uh, Starfleet stuff. Does do a lot of pointing to the larger world that exists outside mm-hmm. of the show, the sh- the like the actual shows Star Trek. Right. Yes. Uh, let's do a little bit of history on the creation of this. So, um, I mean, the phrase "lower decks" and the concept was born out of a Star Trek Next Generation episode called "Lower Decks." Yep. That essentially was this as a almost like a backdoor pilot, twenty five years, thirty years, uh, you know, <laughs> before. Um, There's also like, another version that's a very similar premise, just called Red Shirts. Oh, sure, right, yeah, but but yeah, of of these like ensigns, these like lower ranking people that you just follow their day and what, how differently the ship looks to people who are not sitting on the bridge making the decisions and going, yep. you know, having these heroic journeys and everything, and like, what is it like to the guy who's you know doing this? Um, so this was created, developed by a guy named Mike McMahon, who was the head writer for Rick and Morty. Um, he, which is why the show looks, is Rick and Morty, looks like Rick and Morty. You know, um, it, it has the exact vibe of Rick and Morty. Sometimes the jokes feel like Summer could be saying the jokes. Like it's not yeah. literally Rick and Morty, but like you walk from one to the other and you don't feel like you've left home. Like yeah. It's yeah, this, it, it's it's just yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but it also oozes with fanboy respect for yeah the shows. I mean, all the characters in the show basically is all but canon that they've watched every episode of Star Trek. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> even yes. even though that's not technically possible, it's it's you would basically they have all the knowledge that. Well, that's what I meant before yeah. too, right? Where like these the the adventures of these superhuman characters is taken as like extraordinary and yeah. not and not commonplace. Where right. if you watch an episode of Next Generation, it's it's taken as commonplace. It's they don't they're not presented as superheroes. Yeah, right. Uh, so it turns out that McMahon was actually at one point running a Twitter TNG fan account, 
and when he was asked to basically, hey, you're the head writer of Rick and Morty. We want to do an animation product. Like, what's your dream Star Trek series? And he said his pitch was the people who put the yellow cartridge in the food replicator so a banana can come out the other end. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is a great line. Yeah. Um, and I think that encapsulates pretty well, like what the show can be, you know? Um, yeah. Though it doesn't, it sort of betrays that premise. I think yeah. it, it does a good job of making them uh, the sort of goofball rag, you know, the goofball sort of kid Avengers of, uh, of the universe. They're kind of like the ship's animal house. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but but they are not having they're not having low stakes character episodes. It's always it's 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 high nonsense. They still wind up having Star Trek adventures with high stakes. You know, yeah, I, yeah, I think yeah, yeah. usually when the show is at its best, because because this can be a very uneven show. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, yeah, especially I, I early. Will certainly admit, especially early, but even continuing on, like, you know, at the worst, it really feels like it is a sitcom that is following a formula that I is just, just finished like, season three are you are you finished i did yeah yeah i feel like it's pretty tight like i don't think there's yeah. any of the any of the like really low balls low no. or not low balls but like low lows of of the first season no and some of the second but i would say when the show is at its best i think it it continues the idea that these are lower ranking ensigns yes, and yes, that they for sure. they only have an incomplete picture of the main Star Trek adventures, yes, right? And full agreement. And there is sometimes a push to like for sweep sweet kind of thought of like let's just do this as a Star Trek. Let's show. Give them a re- yeah. But at the end of the day, it's a 22 minute comedy that doesn't, you know, necessarily give. You know, it, it it can't necessarily be the best 44 minute Star Trek episode that it could be if it try. You know, I, you know, and it, and it always battles with undercutting that comedy thing of like, we're comedy so we can undercut our plot and comment on it and get to skip to the skip to the end mm-hmm. by kind of, you know, sacrificing the integrity of, of your plot, you know, the story. I mean, yeah. 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 So I think it, it continues to struggle with that. I think that's just like, you know, depends on the writer and how they totally. succeeded or failed at the end of the day. But, Generally, I think it is it is a positive show. I mean, it's there, a, it's there a good show. There are many episodes that manage to do, I think, as much, if not certainly more than like the worst of, yeah. of what oh, uh, of another one can do. Easily. But like they, they can the the highs of lower decks stand up with the highs of the entire Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, That's and what's really nice is they, to hear. they kind of sneak up on you too, because again, it is presenting itself as a comedy show, and you're like, "Hey, this this B plot is actually like a really good Star Trek plot." Mm-hmm. Is yeah. kind of what happens, right? Is this sort of like, "Wait a minute, this is not just about like Boimler hits his nuts on a on a <laughs> on a Klingon so it, whatever." It begs the question to me, Andy. Uh, not like, not in a harangue way, not why haven't you watched this, but as somebody who has consumed the, you know, by far and away the most Star Trek stuff, what is, what has pushed you to like, not, not give it a shot, just time and adult. So, yeah. So that's the part that I, that I haven't said out loud is that I'm new to the lower decks. So what, what I'll say is I, over the pandemic, got into a rhythm because I've been living with my parents, right? 
and we they're both i mean my mom especially but they're, they're oh, both so it's just really something you would, you would watch with your with the parents and so we watched like all of discovery together we watched picard together like we have not built in the time yet to sit down and watch Lower Decks together, and my life got really complicated. Did you complicated watch Picard season two together? No, we watched it separate. Actually, oh, I was, I was, okay. Well, either way, that was time that could have been better spent. <laughs> <laughs> I still need to finish. That, that was one. a fucking train. I loved and much. So people derided season one quite heavily. Yeah, I loved I liked it. it. I fucking loved it. I liked, and season I thought one. they did some. They went with a really cool way, a space to explore new ideas, both with borg and being post borg as yeah, well as yeah. the romulans who just exist in daily life as romulans like it really is a, a lot of solid sci-fi ideas and um a fun cast um yeah they kind of blew I, it I, in I have, the second one the second I'll, one is, I'll, a, is a train wreck and the third one looks like they're just gonna try and recover from it with a fuck ton of next gen cameos but i'll still watch uh i well look yeah. One. Well, okay. One last thought. One last thing. While well, we're on that. I, I, well, I was just gonna finish what I was saying, which yeah, is that yeah, yeah. I have not been avoiding lower decks by any means, but the presentation of this show being what it is felt like I could sit on it for a minute. It wasn't like yeah. must watch TV because people are gonna spoil it for me. Well, it kind of. It kind of. It did not. It did not debut with a bang. Right. So and that's so, that's part of it too. So it it did not show up with that urgency of like, oh man, yeah. I gotta watch this because I'm gotta be on the cusp of watching stuff. It was like, well, I'll catch Lower Decks. I'll catch it. It felt a yeah. little. It felt a little bit like it was shoved out the door to ride. Uh, to ride a a, a small high wave of the resurgence of Star Trek uh-huh. and to get people than... to subscribe to their. To Paramount Plus time, or to, to well, CBS yeah. All Access. At the time, yes, CBS <laughs> yeah. All Access, which once Discovery was off, I was like, well, I'm just going to cancel my subscription until yeah, another season of Discovery. Yeah, because what the hell are you going to watch on CBS oh, All Access? Oh, and now Lower Decks in the off-season, yeah. Lower Decks. So it was like, oh, okay, they're just trying to, you know, yeah. extend yeah. Uh, that. Uh, but All the right, other say context, your final thing and then we should get in. <laughs> yeah, the other context that I think Lower Decks is coming out in as well is the part the parts of Picard season two that I did see were just so bald about the sorry Picard uh so bald <laughs> about the it's fine about the references yeah Picard season two should have been lowered a few lower decks episodes uh, yeah I mean of just the way should, that it was just like uh remember this is what Guinan did remember yeah. just the, the and, winky and going back in time to present day Earth. Yeah, it's just, just it's it's a lot of it's a lot of self-referential fan pleasing. It, yep. But it's like self-referential no, without delivering what the heart of what people actually wanted, right? It's like look at all these winks while while we're going to give you something you know, like like totally missing the point and thinking, you know, not really catching what people want. But and yeah. it's it's it was so preachy in a really condescending way because it's like these people from the future from an, a a you know, the Federation isn't literally America, but it kind of is. Um, yeah. Well, and and there are these people from the future who come and look at how bad things are here and are like, this is stupid. Why do you guys do these things this way? And it's like, we're fucking doing our best, man. We're trying. Yeah. And, <laughs> and this sort of like future alien thumbing their nose at us doesn't feel like an honest. No. Uh, sort of leftist take. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess the point the point that I'm making is that when Lower Decks goes really referency it 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 i think it 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 stabs at that wound a little bit 
of like all we're doing with new track content is just referencing no, how, how much we old, love yeah. next gen, right? It's yeah. like Yeah, 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 totally. One hundred. And so yeah, nobody's so, referencing the great content from Deep Space Nine. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, <laughs> and wait it until me. season three, there's an entire Deep Space Nine episode. Good, uh, because this show seems like it's it's uh the, the thing that I've loved about these two episodes that I now have seen is that is their willingness to uh to probe all over, not just next gen with their with the, their the uh, there's an episode with Tom Paris from really? Voyager. Yeah, yeah, nice, nice. It's called We'll okay. Always Have Tom Paris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's it's been like 30 minutes. Let's <laughs> let's <laughs> definitely let's definitely dive right in. Engage. Engage. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> that stays in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We we're engaged, uh, or Aww. as they might say, as they might say in the later seasons, hit it, hit it. Let's fly. Let's fly. Oh, that's too cute. Let's I, I fucking hated that. I let's know. Fly. I dumb. know. Let's fly. Only sucks. Be- because the show. Oh, we did. We did say we we're gonna dive right in. Um, <laughs> the 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 acknowledgement that a captain has a cool a cool line. Like that, a captain has to have a cool, uh-huh. a cool warp line. I know. Like to say that on a on a non comedy show was absurd. I know. Like if she just came up with her line because it's unspoken that captains do cool shit, fine. But to be like, what's your line gonna be? <laughs> was Can they jump to unreal. all other captains in in the Federation and see what everyone else's <laughs> line is, or is it just the what's taken? Just the hero, just the just the hero captains I would, from TV. I would love a fucking montage of all Starfleet captains of them just being like, do it up, slam it, slam it in, <laughs> <laughs> punch punch it through, kick it, uh, fast, but fast yeah, so go, here, finger that go button. <laughs> well, I guess it's a two-man show from here on out. <laughs> so the first episode we watched, uh, we didn't do any of the first couple episodes. We're we're sort of grabbing a couple early episodes though. Yeah, uh, that uh, that hit at what the show was establishing uh, while not being sort of full of all the info dump that you. Don't really need. Yep. Yeah. Uh, to, I didn't. I didn't need an explanation of who these people were. The first minutes of each person's uh, appearance on screen did quite their enough. personal dynamic is pretty, pretty cut and dry. The yep. the only the, thing that I think isn't communicated in these two is that uh, Captain uh, Captain Freeman and Beckett Mariner are mother and daughter. 
Oh like, yeah, that, that, is, that that's doesn't come through that's at all in the two episodes that I watched. Secret, yeah. I think. Yeah. Isn't I, I don't. I think that's a that's a twist that they drop at the end of the first season, right? It's the end of Am the first episode. I think. Oh, I okay. think it's then the I, end of my the first bad. episode. I but... thought I thought it was a it was a reveal, but I guess it was much earlier than I remembered. Okay. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, that, that that was not clear to me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, season one, episode five, Cupid's errant arrow. Mariner becomes suspicious of Boimler's new girlfriend. Tendi and Rutherford grow jealous of a bigger Starship's gear. Uh, and I am curious, do we want to sort of run down the cast real quick? Let's or do yeah, let's, do, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So the ship itself is the Cerritos. This is the USS Cerritos. It is a California-class ship. So it's kind of a joke in in this and that, like, the California-class being are all all of these ships in this class of, of Starship are, like, cities in California. It's sort of an admin ship. Yeah. yeah, but it's also they're all like California cities, but it's also allows like a California, oh, yeah, California yeah, yeah. people to do California jokes. So they're so like Cerritos is like, you know, just like a town outside of L.A. or something. And and, mm-hmm. you know, so they and have famously, like a Burbank. And famously and have, the you know, headquarters for the Federation in the entire universe is San Francisco. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Yes. So or like for Starfleet, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they are not they're not like a giant enterprise ship that that goes on epic adventures. There are. There are much larger Chad ships that sail around in the Federation, <laughs> right? That Riker is on. And this takes place, I think, according to the wiki, a year after Star Trek Nemesis. Yeah, that makes sense. Because so they all know about of, everything that happened in Next Gen. Right, right. So a bunch of that stuff has sort of already come and gone. Um, uh, but it's not like, you know, late Picard era, Picard TV show era. Right. Um no, no, we're in the we're in the thick of the lore, like when when TNG and Voyager and DS9 were all on at the same time. Yeah, it's like yeah. a bit after that. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, Yeah, so so our main I, I guess first, I guess fittingly, we can talk about the, the, the ship, like the the bridge crew, the heroes that we barely see. We have Yeah, because I don't know Freeman. any of their names. Right. So we have yeah. Captain Freeman when we have uh uh the second in command is is a Riker type. He is a Riker, is a Riker type. Jack Ransom. Jack, yeah, yeah, Ransom. Yeah. Yeah. Ransom. And then there's like the doctor who's a cat person, Ta'ana. Um, and uh-huh. she's great. And then you've got uh Fred um Tatashore. Um, yeah, Shax. Fred Tatashore is is Shaq's Bajoran. The Bajoran yeah. security, chief, chief, chief security. security. Um, and that's like the most important folks, but we see them kind of ducking in and out, usually doing stuff that we're not fully partial to. Yeah. Um, and that's great. And I love that. Um, it reminds me of one of my favorite Buffy episodes, the, the Zeppo, right? Where, yes. where we follow Xander and then you just get these little snippets of, of some sort of epic Buffy adventure that's happening in the side. Elsewhere elsewhere yeah. that's just not the focus of this episode um and you stick with the mundanity of of just a regular guy um and so we follow in the lower decks we follow ensign boimler um <laughs> who is played by jack quaid this is brad bradward boimler um and he's just uh. a real kiss ass he's a he loves data he loves doing mindless work you know the boring stuff he just he loves he loves doing he's it. our he's our sort of will whedon type a little bit yeah a little yeah, 
Um, he's more. I like him. You much know, more. But, yeah, uh, he, he's he's ambitious. That's, but the, that's not, the energy. That's the energy we're invoking. Right. He he's he's kind of like a Dwight. He's kind of like a. He's kind of like a Dwight. You know. He's kind of like Fry from Futurama sometimes too. Sure. Yeah. He's, kinda, he's a he's, simpleton. He's, he's dumb. <laughs> yeah, but he's good at his job. Yeah. Um, and then we also have this sort of renegade ensign Beckett Mariner. Um, played by Tawny Newsom. She's great. Uh, and she is kind of this, I don't know. I mean, she, she's a, she's a rogue. She's a rebel. She, she's kind of has some Kirk energy. Um, she seems like she would be an actual officer if she wasn't so chaotic. Yes. Like that's the exact, that's the exact plot of the show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cause, um, cause that's, that's what, that's the vibe where she's like, she seems super competent except for the moments where she crumbles like, mm-hmm. and completely like falls apart as a person. And, and <laughs> some of that is this like oppositional defiance, right? That she yeah. has part of it being the captain is her mom. Right. Um, her other, her father is also a Starfleet captain on another ship or an officer somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like her parents are nothing but, Starfleet authority. And so she just kind of like, you know, when you rebel against your mom, you're also rebelling against your captain. And it's like, yes, you know, a, a tricky thing for her. Um, and then we also have the those are the two like primary duo main characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also have the like, you know, B B tier main characters, which are Ensign Tendi and Ensign Rutherford. Um, who Rutherford. I love, I love Rutherford. both of They're these great. characters. Yeah. Tendi, Tendi's well, and great, that's, and that's the the brilliance is to not force them into being, uh, you know, leads. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a sort of uh, um, Martin Starr and Kumail from Silicon Valley, where it's mm-hmm. like letting them not have to drive the plot lets them be lovable, non like yeah, right. their entire time on screen. Right. Yeah, because they Tendi... get episodes for them, but yeah, they can also they do do a, a minor B plot, and you're like, I got just enough, just enough of them for this show, and you know, or for this episode, right? And it was it was just enough. Yeah, they, they don't overstay their welcome. Yeah, they're like to to reference a show we recently watched. They're a bit like Carl and Hoodsy from uh, from Mental by Ginger, where you're like, the, where they don't have to have an important plot. Their their presence is delightful. And, yeah, you know. I, uh, so Tendi works in the medical bay mm-hmm. and Rutherford is an engineer, I think. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, and they're both nerds, uh, yes. and they seem to bond over that. And they're Rutherford very... is played by Eugene Cordero, who is Pillboy from The Good Place. <laughs> uh, he's great. Yeah. He's in everything no, it, now, which is wonderful. I, so my favorite thing about this show, I think so far is that there's only four characters I need to worry about and they're interesting. Like, yeah, I, it's it like, I'm, I'm okay with a bigger cast or whatever. Like, but no, it's perfect. It's, four it's is so much tight. more than one, which we, but it's, but it's tight. Yeah. I love it. And it means that I can, it means that I walked in blind and had a great time. Right. I mean, like I, there wasn't too much to, to worry about. I, I, this show does a very good job of telling you what to care about, even even if enough, you're like, yeah. like completely blind and you like maybe if you're like coming in from Star Trek and other stuff, you might be like, oh, my God, but what, I don't know the captain's name. Like, what are they doing? Like, it's clear we're not supposed to care about what's going on with the senior officers. And yeah, it's it's cool and fun. And they are. And it's if we haven't said this already, the show is extremely funny. Yeah, they do good jokes. There are very good jokes in this show. Um, 
Yeah, even even if it is dotted with and I, I was I was trying to take note of like how often it was like Picard reference. Spock reference, you know, I mean, I think it's just there for fun. It's really it's it's rarely a joke um, of any substance. It's it's just kind of acknowledging how deep and how deep in the myth arc they are. I mean, the funny thing is that it winds up being almost similar to more than Rick and Morty, more in some ways, more similar to Family Guy with the like, yeah, the cutaway references to to. remember the time Knight Rider was on Who's the Boss? And it's it's except they don't do the cutaway. They just say the line. Yeah. It's kind of like, Yeah. Most it, of the time. Yeah. Very few cutaways. Yeah. It just it's interesting, right? Because it's yeah. like instead of you know, that reference to that Peter Griffin makes to Knight Rider, it's to the time that the Borg <laughs> did whatever and like you know, invaded a flower planet and it and chaos ensued. Right. Oh, oh okay. Got it. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, that's the main cast. What what's interesting, we're not I, I don't think we're going to spend too much time talking about like the plots of these episodes necessarily because they're 22 minutes sh- like episodes. They're pretty joke pat joke heavy. And, you know, some there's some plot, but like it's not overly complicated. It, it's it like like I said, it's a surprisingly tight show. And uh, and so the this one, the, the main a plot on this one is about Boimler having a hitherto unknown girlfriend and. Uh, and she's like on another ship yeah. and they're like finally like getting to meet in person and uh <laughs> fucking mariner doesn't believe she exists one of the funniest lines early on uh is she's like she's like implying that this girlfriend is like a holodeck hologram and she's like when we meet her it'll weirdly have to be on the holodeck hey i don't do that anymore okay sure you don't man but just so you know i'm still gonna try waving my hand through her please don't i'm gonna you're gonna hit skin well if i do it's a cost of doing business (laughs) so i i love this plot it's really tight Mm -hmm. um i'm gonna i i think just reference how it sort of culminates because yeah do it um so, so the whole sort of, you know, main farce of this is Mariner trying to prove Boiler's awesome girlfriend is, is way, and, and they've got that whole like, you know, cool guy and sidekick vibe. So yeah. she doesn't believe her, her Garth has this dope ass girlfriend. <laughs> uh-huh. Yes. Um, so she has to be a, like a fucking alien, like trying to eat him or kill him or something. Now, there's two interesting twists that come out of this. One yeah. is this girlfriend is super threatened by Boimler's super dope best friend. Yes. Uh, which I think is both very real. And it's like both of them give credence to the other one's existence. Like he's managed to to cultivate a serious friendship and, and loyalty with a very competent person and and can, in fact, attract uh, somebody who... Uh, you know, of, of Boimler's girlfriend's Barb. Is it's Barb? Barb, right? yeah. Barb. Yeah. Uh, uh, caliber. Like, I just think that's nice. It's a nice that the, both of these two powerful people sort of realize that they're attracted in different ways to the same energy. Yeah. Um, and she's always talking about, <laughs> she, and Barb is very funny with all, all of the, all of Boimler's ridiculousness, all of his Dwightiness, uh, is what she's into a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the twist then is that not that she's an alien. And, uh, but also not that there was no reason to be, sus- to be suspicious, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. go either way. Uh, and in fact, Boimler had a sex parasite that was attracting. <laughs> yeah. It was creating pheromones and creating pheromones. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, yeah. I love also the resolution on that where she's like, no, of course I didn't just fall for you I because have... of pheromones. I'm a fucking Starfleet officer. Like, 
I'm very competent. I fell for she, she said this is the best. I <laughs> well, this this is an earlier line, but it it it, enco- it encapsulates their relationship. She says, "I fell for you because you're you, a sweet, nervous, dainty, hipped nugget." <laughs> <laughs> But like that she literally did have some feelings for him. It wasn't all the parasite, uh, even though she does break up with him at the end of the episode. But like, it's nice. It's nice because it doesn't rob anybody or make anybody out to be like a stupid, like. It doesn't sabotage anybody's agency in the story. Yeah. Yeah. While still being an exploration of what happens when a parasite infects you in a sci-fi sort of setting. Yeah, as well as also living in a world where it's playing off the amount of Star Trek episodes in every show where it's like, this character's new girlfriend, something is a little weird, right? (laughs) And and also some sort of like love pheromone is super, it's uh super Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, the, The thing is, up until, until that twist, um... It's not my favorite episode um, because I it is it has the makings of such a regular. We've all seen two thirds of this episode before. Yeah, this is this. I mean, we just we just watched the 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 Danny Phantom episode. Is this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's and and, and a million other iterations or the Gravity Falls one where Mabel's dating a zombie. And I meant like on our show, we've discussed a similar. Exactly. Yeah, but it's it's a million. It's a, it's a million the, times recycled. Yeah, I mean, but the the it's almost unbearable to see again the the all of the beats of like Boimler being desperate to he because he also sees the the uh, the the guy the Jet balance the guy well there's the guy Jet who yeah oh yeah, yeah is yeah. like also so hot. used to date he's so hot and he's hanging out with Barb and they used to date and it makes Brad super uncomfortable and he's like oh shit I have to be extra cool and I have to like you know, woo her again. And I have mm-hmm. to be like neat. And at the same time, Mariner is like desperate to prove that she's a, you know, a, an alien or an Android and trying all these things to sort of like, you know, disprove it. And they're both desperate. And you're just waiting for the, by the numbers moment where it's like, somebody says, I'm sorry, I acted this way. No, I'm sorry. I acted this way. Let's be better next time. And, and yeah. that is such a, you know, it's such a by the numbers sitcom mm-hmm. moment that you're just like, Ugh, I just, all right, fine. Just get it over with. But it takes a nice twist at the end that again, like you said, does not rob anybody. It doesn't undercut the tension or the, the feelings of anyone to mm-hmm. just to like, just to do something different. Um, so yeah, no, I think awesome. that's why I, that's why I picked this episode because it, it, it does something really nice with with what is a tired sitcom plot. And and the show is not always this successful with sure. that. They sometimes hit those and you feel painfully aware of I just feel like the B plot is just hitting its marks. Like it's just there yeah, to yeah. be you know, that okay, they, they didn't have anything for Tendy to do in this episode. So they're just mm-hmm. giving her a B plot that is doing this, is doing X, Y, and Z, and it's not it's just there, right? Yeah, yeah. kind of like what yeah, Discovery yeah. does with Tilly. Um, mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's it's. Uh, I I could see that happening. I'm happy that we watched this one. It was it was really great. I liked the I liked the the different kind of way it ended. Um, yeah. I also want to point out when we're talking about Jet, uh, I know that we're not a huge fan of the reference humor or whatever. I get that it's easy. I got to say a huge smile came on my face with this line where he says, Jet, 
That guy's like a Kirk Sunday with Trip Tucker sprinkles. Because there's a lot of Trip Tucker erasure uh, where we don't remember <laughs> where we don't remember the hottest character in Star, the Star Trek, the hottest engineer ever. <laughs> well, he was was he first officer? What was he in? He's at Star Trek Enterprise. Oh, he's like a okay. he's like a kind of a kind of a southern boy I'm who's built like a truck. Pretty sure I'm pretty sure he ran the engineering room. Well, I, thought, I thought the DePaul British was first. Officer. I, th- I thought the well, no, there's the British guy who does something else. I don't remember what all their positions were he's because Enterprise is a pilot? little fuzzy. I think he's the pilot. And Ener- Enterprise is like, uh, it's definitely what everybody's job is is a little fuzzy sometimes because they just kind of all do whatever. Um, but Trip Tucker is awesome. Uh, and I was just, a, I, I don't know, a, an original series and an Enterprise reference in one sentence. I was like, oh, so we're referencing Enterprise? No, and I don't I don't think the references are bad. I think that's exactly what, what you were talking about. Like, mm-hmm. it's just dropped in. It's not, It's they don't make a meal out of it. They don't, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's to me, it's acceptable. But it is kind of like, it's a little lazy. Yeah. Yeah, um, it is. This, it one, this is. one wasn't, what, yeah. But it's it's not bad at all. They they doubled down on it too with the enterprise references because later uh, uh, Mariner is like one of her ideas of of what Barb could be. She's like she's definitely a Sulabon, and I was like, <laughs> what the fuck? I haven't heard the word Sulabon spoken out loud since Enterprise was on air. It was weird little like uh, God what. They have weird, they're like weird yellow bumpy heads and they were like shapeshifting. Yeah. Like, like so, that, that sort of weird reference. I'm like, what the hell? We're going deep for this. Something I do appreciate about the sort of larger Star Trek, like, you know, universe that's airing is some, is how they sometimes, especially with a show like uh, Lower Decks where they can easily reference things, mm-hmm. just sort of quietly populate this, this shared universe and the, for the viewer with, with things that are going to be important in other shows, like uh, yeah. this one mentions the Breen. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Which I don't think are anything until until uh, right. Uh, yes, Brave New Space. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> Brave New Space. <laughs> I think the Breen are in DS Nine. It's possible. Oh, they might be. But yeah, yeah, it's nice. It's nice because a lot too often. Uh, there will be entire species, like alien species, like the Sulabon, that are kind of isolated to one show. And it's like, what, did they yeah, all yeah, die yeah. out? Do we never hear about these again? They're a spacefaring race in a galaxy that seems pretty small, even though it's big, right? I mean, like, the, the Star Trek universe, people are running into each other all the time. Like, it it seems strange. Like, I'm glad, like, one of the, one of the things that Paramount's uh, or CBS's new shows started doing is and Enterprise did this a little too, but like bringing back species from old shows that we hadn't seen in a while, like the Orions and Andorians and stuff. Like yeah, Tendi's Orion, by the way. Yeah, which is great. And it's like these species didn't just disappear. Like we had Orions in like the original series, and then like how many times did we see them after that? Like hardly any. Like it's just I don't know. It it in a strange way, some of the referential nature of it makes. It almost lends credence to the world a little I more. Agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, because because this shit should just be referenced every now and again because these are given things about the universe and why aren't we seeing more Andorians and stuff? It's it's it, yeah, it's that that's that's one of the things that I like about it's it. the it's the uh, the sort of the curse of of this universe spanning uh, literal mm-hmm. cinematic universe that's like 
this is supposed to be populated by a universe worth of aliens, but we kind of just want to know what the Borg and the Romulans are up to. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. then what do the Klingons think about this? Uh, uh, you can go now. Okay, some some quick hits for for this episode, just to yeah. to to roll it along. Um, mm-hmm. Some really great lines in this. Uh, there is a moment where uh, Boimler is trying to assemble an outfit to make him look really cool and look appealing <laughs> to uh, to Barb, and he's like, "Computer, analyze the coolest people in Earth history and replicate me in outfit." Boys size small. <laughs> <laughs> and it's worth mentioning that these are just adults, right? I mean, these yes. are these are you know, these are not teenage cadets or anything. This, you know, they they are just full adults, but yeah, Boimler. And this is also where the referential humor I think really worked because I don't know to what degree it's supposed to be campy in Star Trek, but their absurd fashion oh, is yeah. never really played for a laugh. No. Right? Ever. Yeah. And uh, and it's acknowledged that it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. And that Barb thinks he looks really hot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Most of Star Trek looks ridiculous. Like, yes. just looks <laughs> all the aliens. Everybody looks goofy as fuck. And everybody you know, besides Starfleet is doing uh, is doing. Uh, what's the bow and arrow girl who doesn't like who doesn't like uh, fascism? Katniss, Katniss? Dean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember all this this crazy people. Yeah, the, the capital. The, the rich fancies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. From Hunger Games. Hunger Games. There we go. Yeah. My so one of my favorite lines in this in this episode, uh, when he when he comes in with that outfit and makes an ass out of himself in front of her <laughs> and Jet. Yeah. Uh, She's like, okay, I don't know what's going on right now. First, you come in looking sexy as hell, but then you ruin it by acting all weird. I have to go back to work. Oh, I'll, I'll walk you there. No, I can walk myself. Come on, Jet, walk me. <laughs> <laughs> I love that she acknowledges that he did actually yeah. pull it off. <laughs> like, yeah, he yeah. did. <laughs> um, although, of course, it was probably the alien pheromones that. Well, only um, partly. Only yeah, partly. but there are watching it again, knowing the knowing the twist. I was keeping an eye out for anything, and there are two scenes where she she mentions. Uh, oh, well, she God, smells she, him. Yeah, at one yeah. Point. But she she was like, "It's like I don't know. You just have your like this magnetism. You radiate some primal confidence. I'm sure you felt it. No, I try not to feel anything around Brad. Yes, is what she said." <laughs> Um, and then there's also a line where she just a moment where she just smells him. Like she yeah. you just see her smelling him. It's like, oh, I'm so glad you're near me or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and there's actually there's another thing here that I'm kind of torn on. Um, it's a quote that was originally it was a good line, and then I felt like they ruined it. And then I'm kind of like here and there on it because it had a point. But uh there's Mariner is finally like she found a cocoon somewhere and it's like, Oh my God, there isn't a parasite. I have to go save Boimler. He's in trouble. Um, and runs into him naked sort of pre coitus. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and, uh, he tells her that it has been a long time since he's taken a lover. Yes. And just the, the phrasing of that is so <laughs> good for Boimler. It's just like, oh, God, and I've taken mm, a lover. That's good for Boimler. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, especially a lover like, you know, a lover like Barb when I can make love to my lover. And she's like, stop saying lover. <laughs> and I felt like the stop saying lover was one of those commenty. Uh, the Monopoly you, Man joke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just like you ruined it. Right. I mean, I felt like. 
the amount of and and I think Mariner's character you're giving they yourself write Mariner, joke credit for saying something yeah for saying a joke and, and and then making fun of your own joke there as a joke. are a lot of times when they give her these kind of uber commenty lines and it's like yeah it's not it you're not reinventing comedy by just commenting on on yeah. you've done tropes before it's you know also lazy and not my favorite but, but i came around because as soon as the parasite is extracted from boimler's head the parasite itself is saying love her love her love her love her <laughs> oh, oh my god, god. Love her. Love her. oh god oh what the hell was that yeah, and so the lover and the stop saying lover is like a plot reason to like, hey, remember how Boimler was saying lover a lot? The parasite is saying lover. So yeah. I'm like, I like begrudgingly like, I feel like you ruined the joke. Uh, all right, fine. Yeah, but they fine. but they ruined the joke with not either of the two good parts, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think I think it's fair to comment that like the commentary, the fucking. You know, just just having a having a, a catty character drop quips is is uninteresting. Yeah. Yeah. The, the There's one other thing. I mean, we haven't really talked about the B plot or the C plot. It's um, not really that interesting. I, I, I mean, it, it is. It is. The, but it isn't. Yeah, it's it's in the moment. It's it's nice. Um, It's 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 totally enjoyable to watch. The thing that I liked, though, is that. This the C plot where the actual heroic bridge crew is working on the Star Trek episode that they're doing. Yes, is that that's there's funny. like there's an unstable moon, and these two ships, which is where uh, Barb comes from, is from the Vancouver. This other ship, so they're mm-hmm. supporting the Vancouver. The Cerritos is, um, but they are dealing with all of these aliens who are in their system. This moon crashing would upset a bunch of stuff and they're like we're trying to get rid of this moon trying to you know help you guys because it would kill everybody but there's an intricate series of aliens who like this doesn't help me okay well what if we do this and they work it all out no if all the moons we pray to it's one of the most important (laughs) (laughs) ultimately they find out that uh things are getting critical this moon is like about to blow so there's like some stakes are coming you know from from that happening um, and all of the like Boimler stuff is happening in the backdrop of this moon, like about to explode um, mm-hmm. or crash in the surface. And so and, like, and our main characters don't seem to be aware that this is happening or that it's dangerous right. at all. <laughs> right. It, it is, com- but it is completely set in their background. And so like, yeah, they're on this like observation ship where this thing is crashing. And so you can see all of this stuff dovetailing in the same scenes, which is really nice. Like it helps all of these plots kind of, yeah, you know, form together and and build together. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, ultimately, the the only holdout is this guy who's like, well, no, don't blow it up. It would like ruin my, you know, our my colony, you know, <laughs> our colony, or our life, or whatever would be ruined. And then he slips. Both and of he's us. Like, both of us. Wait, what do you mean? Both? What, what do you What do you mean both? How many people are in your civilization? Me and my wife. There are two f***ing people on your whole f***ing planet? Well, yes, we're, uh, we're rich. Implode the moon. Yes, Captain. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's only, you know, these two people would have to move, literally. And, and yeah. on that, it's like, all right, implode the, implode the moon. That's fine. And that they're, like, unsympathetic rich douchebags. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um, yeah. So the thing I wanted to say about the B plot, Austin, that I liked was 
so it's it's Tendi and Rutherford are sort of in this competition for a fancy new gizmo. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little twist where it turns out that uh, it's not getting the gizmo. They get to keep the gizmo when they get to stay on the ship. And um, yeah, they're going yeah, to transfer the Cerritos, transfer They, to they the raise their, yeah, yeah, yeah. They raise their reservations. They didn't want to transfer. It sort of devolves into a bit of a horror movie mm-hmm. uh, where this guy is chasing them. Now, what I liked about it was in the context of the main plot that we're intrigued by, the actual, uh, we're intrigued by as viewers, but like the actual intrigue uh, of that plot is complicated now by a character behaving very parasite-y. Um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. it, it, it muddies what what would be a potentially much more obvious plot to see through without this without this guy's strange behavior. Yeah, because um, maybe you think there's many parasites and a couple people are acting weird. Yeah, um, the whole ship is parasites. Yeah, right. Like, you don't know. But it turns out that this guy is uh, trying to get them to transfer so that he can transfer to the Cerrito and they can swap places because he's absolutely done having a uh, main Star Trek plot relevant <laughs> ship. Every day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the pressure is too much. He doesn't like being on one of the shows. He wants to be on Lower Decks because it's lower <laughs> stakes and he doesn't have to worry so much about traveling through time or whatever. Yeah, yeah, but meaning his mirror clone or whatever. Yeah, every <laughs> week. Yeah, yeah Ron Docent. Yeah, it's, very it's funny. Matt Walsh. Yeah, it's, it's funny. There's also like they catch on and they they grab his pad his little pad and his little lines of just like, give me back my pad. <laughs> I want my pad. It's, you know, it's funny. Um, also on, on the note of delivery on good delivery, like shouting is, um, Tawny Newsom as Mariner, um, doing these, these little, her, her line readings of when she's afraid for, for Brad, Bradward and her little lines are like Bradward, 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 wait. Yeah, because she just, she and the audience just found out this week, this episode, that his name is, full name is Bradward, that Brad is short for Bradward. And so now she's saying it unironically like, Bradward! (laughs) (laughs) Really fun. It's really funny. (laughs) Although, although in the same breath, they acknowledge that Bradford is a real name, which is equally ridiculous. I mean, I I know a guy guy named Bradford. I have a very close friend named Bradford. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Look, I think we should either go to an ad or Andy later in the in the edit process decided that this episode is going too long. So we're not going to have an ad. So uh, (laughs) one of those two things will happen. And let's go to the next segment. (laughs) Engage. Fuck, you beat me. All right, Stardate, whatever, Captain's Log, blah, blah, blah. It's Lower Decks. We're back. We're doing Star Trek. We all love it. Uh, completely unironically, we, we love Star Trek. We clearly have a lot to say about Star Trek. Look. We haven't been able to get out anywhere else on this <laughs> anywhere podcast else. before. Had no outlet for this. Uh, this is season one, episode eight. It's called Veritas. Mariner, Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford are caught off guard when aliens force them to testify about a series of seemingly unrelated events. So and I, I liked this one quite a bit, yeah. But 
the ending was not my favorite. You s- yeah. No, it's it this is the exact opposite kind of ending of yep. season yeah. uh, of yep. the one we just watched and where like they just they undo, they wet fart yeah. a lot of what was going on. That's yeah. kind of why I picked this one as well because they are kind of a, a yin and yang of each other mm-hmm. where like you know the the meat of this episode is in the is middle fantastic. and and is good is really good and they sort of do some 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 and plot. they get to play with a lot of great a lot of great you know classic star trek premises the sort of court testimony yeah. uh, at some sort of alien planet as well as the uh the transporter ghost uh, which they take <laughs> to a much further you know further level which is fun yeah they take much further than you can get away with i think on a non comedy show yeah, yeah. it's it's good. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in this one. There's a bit of, uh, I, I can't call it Rashomon or, or in a grove. Like it's it's not it's not really the same event that we're getting different uh, uh, perspectives on. We're kind not of getting quite. we're For, kind of getting but, sequential. Uh, but stru- structurally, we're we're hitting it in a similar way. Yes. Yeah. Various yeah. different testimonies. They are sequential, but ni- none of these people, none of our main characters know about what the other characters Has a went full through. Story. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so they're like testifying about these, these, this like day or these several days. Uh, and, and it is, it is interesting. Uh, they could have played with it a little bit more and been a little more nonlinear about it, but maybe that's just, uh, yeah. me being a little pie in the sky. Uh, can, can we actually, uh, we haven't talked about the theme song yet, which I think we just take a oh, little tangent really quick. It's a great it's, theme. It's an amazing return to form uh, for, yeah. us, you know, to just do classic, especially for a, like the comedy show to not do a comedy opening. Yep. I mean, it's a little bit Rick and Morty-ish well, with the, the montage. It is a comedy um, opening and which I think is really successful at being both. Yeah. You know, not calling a ton of a ton of attention to itself as like, look at look at these jokes like Mm -hmm. the music isn't comedy. You know, a lot of aspects of it aren't comedy. It feels it feels so much like a classic Star Trek Trek. opening. However, we see the Cerritos flying around in space, but we see it either getting into scrapes or choosing to bail. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it is it's just. Like my favorite is it shows up to this like intergalactic war. There's a bunch of ships. There's like Klingon warbirds or whatever, and and a Borg cube, and everybody's shooting in, at each other, and you just see it back up and like go yeah. away. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just yeah. it's very good. It's very funny. Um, it, it truly is. Uh, and I oh I remember what I was gonna say. Um, yeah, yeah. Before we got, uh, I think what made it unsuccessful in because I, I oh fuck it would, I'm trying to bleed back into what we were just talking about where these two plots I think unlike where most of the time uh lower decks is very good about having the B plot really be a kind of just a little cutaway to to fun uh these two plots are A plots and they're competing for airtime and it, and they both sort of suffer for it I think well I mean it's just there's not real. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's the past and then there's the present, right? I mean, it's, it's just. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I just, I, I think it's, this was one that they probably wanted to breathe a little bit more. Yeah. It, it definitely, it, it bulks the formula from the get go. You know, yeah. I mean, we, it already starts in media res. We don't know why the crewmates are, are in this alien dungeon, why mm-hmm. they're being forced to testify. We're, we're as in the dark as they are. Although we haven't yeah. seen whatever missing scene of them getting captured yeah. or, you know, uh, but they're, you know, in this dark chamber and there's this alien guy who's questioning them and, and, uh, 
Yeah, and see then their... all the senior officers are floating in this uh, in this beam. Beam. Uh, yeah, and and they uh, they don't appear to speak very often or at all. They no. maybe they maybe they can't. Like the we don't end, like yeah. we don't know. Like we don't know. Right. And so you know, like the, there's like this some weird alien pomp and circumstance where he's like, "You will speak only into the horn of Kendar." It's like you know textbook weird alien. Uh, trial as they, as they drama, say yeah. later and uh, and they testify and the the various things that we get to see are fun uh, yeah. so it starts with uh, what Mariner yeah it's Mariner it is the four of them are in the shuttle bay I think yeah yeah they're and repairing they're in the repair bay they're working on a shuttle yeah and they they get the sense that a red alert is happening and Rutherford says, oh, no, that's impossible. I modified the speakers. I messed with the speakers so that the red alert will be louder here. And he said, you mess with the speakers. And the door opens. And, of course, the red alert has been happening elsewhere on the ship. Everybody else has been already dealing with a main plot <laughs> you know, yeah. issue. And so the two, uh, both um, Boimler and Mariner, are late to the bridge, to the bridge duty, because they do serve on the bridge um, in, like, pilot you know, or whatever, you know, just sort of helping out doing stuff. Yeah. Um, and they've missed the whole point of whatever episode the, yeah, they, you know, the bridge crew <laughs> is a part of. Yeah. And that's, that's fun because they're clearly behind the eight ball and, uh, you know, the captain's like, Boimler, what do you suggest we do? No wrong answers. And then he gives a lot of obviously wrong answers and they hate everything <laughs> he says. And it's really funny. And my my favorite one is uh, Mariner. Why don't you send our friends a message? Good call, Captain. What? Are you what the hell are you what? doing? You said send them a message. That means phasers. It means to send them a message to invite them to dinner. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very it's very cute. It's good. Um, and so, uh, yeah, they th- this guy, this guy who's interrogating them in the present, keeps getting really mad at their testimony. So, like, for reasons that are very that are like unclear. And so she's like, "What? I'm just telling you what happened." And uh, he places her in the tank of contempt, uh, which <laughs> has a bunch of evil eels in it. Um, but uh, yeah, so then Rutherford testifies, uh, and yeah. his is his is my favorite. It's so good. It I is... I love it. It it yeah. like both introduces a bunch of like questions about how his like biomechanical implant works mm-hmm. and what it does. Yeah. And he's also is like fun implant. storytelling. Yeah. He's got a cyborg implant and sometimes it is a plot element. It becomes yeah. more uh in later it, seasons it, it will pop up. It becomes up entrenched more. in the myth arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um but yes, yeah, so basically uh, first of all, before I forget, I think it's hilarious that uh, Boimler calls the captain of the ship Cap'n, um, and he <laughs> will continue to do that. And it's very good. Uh, I think we should do uh, what you want to do, Cap'n. Cap'n's choice. Um, it's a good running <laughs> joke. <laughs> Just his Cap'n, his Melvinishness. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah. So so shax and i think it's uh paul shear's character uh uh what's his the name? big beefed up roided out dude right no 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 that's shax that that's but, shax uh, oh right yeah right. and then um i don't oh, know is he by the chief engineer yeah the chief engineer is um I the forget. prince or <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 uh paul shear the paul shear character I, I just forget his name but um 
they they need to give Rutherford something like, hey, do you have do you have Romulan flight manuals on that on that thing? And he's like, no, but I could download it. I just have to update my firmware. And I usually don't do that until I sleep because it messes with my and before he can get through, they're already telling him to do it against yeah. his will. And so it reboots. And then the whole like the way this goes is very cool because we see just the fragments of his memory as he ducks in and out of consciousness based on his sci-fi storytelling. Yeah, it's cool because Sam Sam is clearly only cognizant for parts of this. And when he is not conscious, the implant is puppeting his body very competently uh, it appears because yeah, every time he like wakes a, up he's in another sort of high john stakes wick, like a john wick sleeper agent or something yeah but yeah i love i love that he you know we get these weird little snippets of him waking up in another extremely uh tense like he needs <laughs> yeah. to perform very well kind of moment and when he's conscious yeah. he clearly doesn't know the context of where what's going on or have access to these skills that clearly his implant is is yeah. exhibiting such this really interesting thing that's sort of unspoken and un, kind of kind of unexplored is like the the implant on autopilot seems to have a degree of competence that he doesn't have and it keep like high stress moments keep kicking him out of it. Yeah, like, that's crazy. That's that's really interesting. Like mm-hmm. uh-huh. that that you you're constantly forced to deal with situations far outside your capacity <laughs> by by a, by your own brain, which yeah. is a capable when you're not when you're not in the sort of ego mm-hmm. to to do it. It's, right. It's it's wild. Yeah. yeah some of the examples so, uh, of the scenes. Well, yeah. That I'll I'll go through them. Into. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he wakes up and he's like nerve pinched a bunch of Vulcans on a shuttle and he's like, In a what? costume. Yeah. He blacks out, he wakes up and he's in a Romulan hangar and 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 his uh and Shax is like, We don't want to draw any attention. From who? What are we doing? What's happening? Hey! What are you two doing back here? You've drawn my attention. Distract him with the fan dance! I'm sorry, my what now? Dance point dance! Ooh. Ooh, yeah, feels good, feels right, yeah. Hey, stop that! Now you're distracting me! Uh, 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 right, uh, uh, right. Uh, I want the regular uh, fan uh, dance! What are you doing? My best! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he blacks out, he wakes up, he's now in a space suit out in space next to a cloaked Romulan bird of prey, and he has to, like, save the engineer guy who's, like, running out of oxygen, and then he blacks out, and he wakes up at a Gorn wedding. <gasps> Gorn wedding! Ah, get me out of here, implant! And as they freak out, they run at him. He blacks out and wakes up, and he goes. (laughs) It's kind of like uh, that Buffy episode within that same Buffy episode, where like if Xander had to contribute extremely meaningful parts to the plot, but didn't whenever they whenever they walk through the scene. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's a really good sequence. It's the best part of the episode, hands down, for sure. Oh yeah. Because uh, that's the end of his testimony, and they're, and they're still not pleased with that testimony at all. Right. Uh, and so then we get Ensign Tendi. Yeah, and this is another good one. It's it's not, you know, obviously, you know, the Rutherford one is going to be the highlight no matter what. But like, yeah. but the Tendi one is really fun because she um, uh, is, has been assigned the role of cleaning the conference room. 
um, where all the important main characters sit and have conferences about, you know, big, big, important stuff. Yeah. And there's a miscommunication where she is, oh, you're the cleaner. Yeah, that's me. And it's like, they mean some sort of assassin or some kind yeah, of, yeah, you know, yeah. the cleaner is, is like a, yeah, as a, a better call as Saul, a you know, as yeah. a Mike Ehrman trout from breaking bad or something. <laughs> right. And they're in the middle of a secret mission. In fact, um, it's ransom captain yeah. or, or Lieutenant ransom, whatever. Um, and he is with a bunch of agents that we've never seen before to the show. And they have like censorship bars on them because, all over their eyes and a bunch of the stuff they talk about are is censored is bleeped out. Um, yeah, cause she's because like live swear, redacting but... her, her account because it was a yes. classified mission. Right. Right. Which visually is very cool, but it, it doesn't cool. quite have the impact, uh, as, as Rutherford's. Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of too bad. They kind of, I think both of those could have, could have breathed in their own episode. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. They would have definitely yeah. could have held up. In, yeah. In like a whole, a whole thing, but, yeah. Um, yeah. But they're like some sort of weird black ops group. These like ransoms like, yeah, that's why we got all these matching tattoos and they've all got like, f- like fucking uh, Federation symbols on their neck. And like, I don't know, they've done shit like this before and they're going to do it again. And uh, they're what they end up doing is having this like high stakes infiltration of the Romulan homeworld. And yeah, uh, yeah. Which is what I meant by this sort of competing yeah. plots, but I guess I didn't make it very clear. Yeah, no, it's it's. I still we, I, by the end of this episode, I still can't A B C D my way through all of these recollections. They don't fit together the way that the plot probably wants. No, them. no, by not a, quite. That's what I mean. Why I didn't make my point clear? I, by a plot, I meant like what could have been the body of a full episode. Yes, yes, yeah, totally. And neither of them really get that airtime. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and and Tendi, there's also the moment where she keeps trying to explain. So here is a very funny thing. Um, I think that there was a misunderstanding. And Everyone I... quiet! They're scanning the area. That was uh, close. We're lucky we have this bird of prey or we'd be toast. Uh, but what I was saying was... Shit, they're scanning again! They stopped scanning. Cleaner, what was that? What I was saying was... Oh, no, they're scanning! Okay, no, they're not scanning anymore. Anything you pull... What I was... Well, stop! I'm picking up scanning! Okay, they're done scanning. Oh, God, they're scanning again! No, no, that was on me. That was wrong. No, I wasn't! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. Some some good jokes. That, That happens. You know, I mean, she ultimately succeeds. She does some some cool kung fu... Uh, that she didn't know she had that she is doing that. Like she was just supposed to beam us out. What the fuck is she doing? I don't know. It's crazy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and and then we kind of, we don't really get a, uh, a Boimler. No, no, we don't. Uh, he doesn't testify. He, he, for his turn, what he ends up doing is essentially like arguing that, that, you know, of course we don't know anything. We're lower decks. Our uh, our superior officers don't tell us shit, and, right. and we get some references, like we get some uh, a montage of of moments of different moments, like a you know what happens when Q when Q decides to show up on the ship, and <laughs> we get a great Q sequence. <laughs> Damn you, Q! Good 
luck solving my little puzzle, mes amis. And one, one sequence where Ransom tries to hit on a girl he doesn't realize is a salt vampire from one of the original series episodes. Right. <laughs> yeah, although although there was just in the last episode we watched when Mariner was trying to figure out who what kind of monster was attacking as Barb, it, it was also a salt vampire thing. Like, she also thought mm-hmm, know, she had, like, mm-hmm. an image of a salt vampire as well. Yeah. So it's like, all right, we get it. All right, salt vampire. Yeah. Uh, Everybody loves the original series. Is, speaking of speaking of Q, uh, that's another reason Picard season two is such a dud. I is, know. Uh, <laughs> is is they asked the question? They dared to ask it, Austin. They dared to ask what would happen if Q uh, wasn't funny, like just wasn't a funny trickster god. Like what? Mm. <laughs> what if he was just like a really sad, mean old man. And, <laughs> and, uh, just in and of itself, that's a fun, exp- that's a fun exploration for an episode. It is not for what I would do for season. a, yeah. for a season is like, what if we did Q? What if we did Q nonsense, but none of it's funny? Yeah. It's <laughs> not the direction I would go with it. Mm-hmm. What if they don't have to solve a giant chess game or. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. I like that they did get John Delancey to do Q in this episode. Oh, though. yeah. Yeah. He's always um, And he's good right? in Picard. The acting is good. It's yeah, just trash writing. John Delancey Yeah, yeah the, actors bring, the actors bring the heat in Picard. It's it's a great cast. Um. Okay, this is where we get the sort of rug pull of the episode. Yep. So every at every turn, he has been mad, this this alien interrogating them. And and now explicitly at the end here, he's like, no, why aren't you saying that your superior officers are awesome? The Federation is perfect. They're incredible. Why are you saying all this? And uh, we learn that it's not a trial. That it's, it's a, a party. It's a party. And this is the guy. This is a guy who was in the package that they liberated from the Romulan homeworld. They saved this guy. And this guy wanted to like express his gratitude to the crew. Uh... And I guess he wanted these lower decks folks to like say nice things about them. Yeah, uh, and you're stupid for thinking it was a trial, basically. Yeah, like, you're stu- what an idiot. And uh, there is one funny joke in it where they're like, "Are you stupid? How could you think this was a trial?" Because you got our bosses suspended in a scary ass beam. That is the beam of celebration. It is an honor to be in this beam. Shut up, Phillips. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's an honor to be in this beat. <laughs> and I don't, I'm not a fan of this type of resolution where, yeah. no, it's all nothing and you're dumb. Um, And especially yeah. because it's held together with like sticks. Like, yeah. like it's, yeah. it's this, this doesn't make sense. Well, like if it was a good explanation for why things have had been happening, I would have been okay, but it was a bad explanation. It's twofold, I think, probably, because, yes, everything you just said is right. And um, they made the whole first 20 minutes of the episode interesting. So now now we wasted mm-hmm. our time on an interesting thing that is goes nowhere and has no value. Yes. Right. You know? Yes. <laughs> Right. It's like it's it's like telling the viewer, ha ha, we stole your time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. again, undercutting the stakes for, I guess, a joke that. Is not good. You know, is not that good. Yeah. Um, especially when again, yeah. I mean, the 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 first two thirds are, are really solid. Yeah. Yeah, there's like, oh, but what about the judge? Like they're trying to explain away all the things and it's like well, who's this judge? This guy's just been like 
scowling at us the whole time. I don't know him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm just here to set up for a birthday later for my little girl. She's turning 100. Aww. <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> It's possible maybe if they had foreshadowed a little bit better that these guys were were really giving f- the the implication is is not really an implication it's it's almost directly stated that uh that they are um that they're providing testimony to to an incident right mm-hmm. and um and like if these aliens if their frustration had been like a little bit more cogent about no say the you're not you're not saying the nice stuff like you're just uh, something i don't know exactly yeah. what the what the lines would be but like see if we could see through the cracks a little bit i think the ending could have paid off yeah, yeah. or if the stuff was volunteered and you know they didn't say as much and it was just like you inferred you know yeah you know like like we didn't actually tell you to start you know, yeah but in the end i'm willing to believe that they fucked up but you presented you presented a situation in which the viewer is expected to to not believe this setup. Yeah, it's, it's it's like their their joke is both that these are idiots, sort of like how did you misconstrue this, but also that the aliens themselves think they're throwing a party, but all of their party traditions look like trial stuff. Mm-hmm. And right. like. Yeah, there's a t- the tank of eels. They we don't get an explanation. It's like, well, what about the eels? And it's just you know that's left open because the show didn't have a they didn't have an answer for it. They just you yeah. Know. This is what I said at the beginning. This is the exact kind of waffliness that the first season struggled with, and sure. it does get a lot better at this. It, I I don't think certainly not in season three, and I don't remember in season two any kind of serious sort of wet fart comedy ending to a to a mm-hmm. to a more I don't want to say a serious episode it's a comedy episode but the but the stakes are serious. Yeah, I mean I find there's still dips here and there. Um dips but, sure, but yes, I think the first I, season I, has the, has the, the lowest worst has crimes. The lowest I think lows. the worst crimes yeah. are are in season 1. Yeah, this one yeah. The, the this ending played out like the ending of a Scooby Doo episode where Shaggy is like, "Wait, there wasn't really ghosts." And they're like, "No, look over here. This is the lever he pulled to do the stuff and this is the thing." I and, think I think you may have just hit the nail on the head. I think that's exactly what they were trying to do was a Scooby-Doo ending. Uh-huh. Um, but in Scooby-Doo, the plot doesn't matter. Right. They're and just walking Scooby-Doo, around the... house getting scared by ghosts. The explanations are actually a little more plausible than this one. So. Yeah, right. exactly. Because, oh, yeah, it was, a, it was a rich man who wanted who was trying to like get a land deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was old yeah. man Withers because he hates fun or whatever. Right. And you could sort of find little pieces of evidence. And in this case, they go so over the top to not provide that yeah just so that it can be a, a reversal but it's a illogical reversal and so it just feels cheap. it betrays the stakes of the story yeah yep. yeah 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 which were so good and that's like those sequences were really fun like it was it was genuinely fun and funny at the same time and then yeah yeah I don't so know, it's that... you wonder did they did they do that out because otherwise it would just be and they weren't they weren't confident with letting it end on an interesting serious note or something i th- i would go the opposite i think they came up with the premise that this is a bizarre trial that is supposed to be a uh reveal that it's not a trial it's a it's a party it's a weird alien party yeah and that's kind of funny as a as a premise yep and then the middle was too strong <laughs> and right. they tried yeah. too hard and it, and, and it d- yeah <laughs> Yeah, and it no longer works. The, the talent right. bubbled up, and they were like, "Oh fuck, we wrote a good episode outside of it too." Oh no, we didn't need to undercut it. 
No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Fuck, let's go wrap this up. Let's talk let's about wrap it, it a up. little. Yeah. In- engage. <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> All right, three to beam up. Oh, no, my head's on my dick. Captain's, oh, we were... Cap- Captain's Log, uh, stardate uh, 2022, probably sometime in November or December. Uh, we watched the two episodes and we talked about them for quite a while. Yes, um, we did. Uh, yes, Rory we did. finally got that weird thing looked at. And uh, the doctor is making sure it's good. Um, the ambassadors from Cardassia are going home uh, with big holes in their arms after the, the incident. And everything, yep. everything is going to be A-OK. Except for me, because like I said, there was some sort of mistake with the pattern buffer. And now my head's on my dick. Yeah, Andy's head is on his dick. And, and that's going to be, you know. That's going to be part of the myth arc. Yeah. Yeah. Continuity <laughs> is going to really respect my dickhead. Are you still Quark in this scenario, too? Yeah. So those big ears big... are not playing nice with my thighs. There is not enough room down here. Oh, boy. I cannot, I now can... you can hear what your balls sound like. <laughs> <laughs> They've been screaming this whole time. <laughs> Do we ever just like stop and listen to your balls? <laughs> I set my ass down. What it sounds like when balls cry. (laughs) 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 Oh fuck! Um, Yeah, guys, that was lower decks. Um, I really, I'm, I'm. As much as we griped about it, we we only really tend to gripe that hard when we like the rest of an episode. Oh yeah, yeah, and I was sort of about to say, like, I think I think think the episode speaks for itself that we've been. Yes, but we did not say. In like no unequivocal terms, this is a great show. You should you should watch. Yeah, and I'm definitely going to. Um, it's, it's definitely for you. I, if you haven't seen any Star Trek, I have no idea how this plays. Um, I will also say though, that there is a contingent of Star Trek fans who are, uh, let's say boring or prudish, (laughs) uh, that probably don't like some of the newer stuff. And they definitely wouldn't cotton to a show that swears, even though it's bleeped out as much as this show they do. I feel like this is a, this is a sort of like snippet of 80s nerddom that is pretty much gone the sort of extreme trekkie the like no new content the, mm-hmm. everything it was bad this is extremely catering to sheldon's you know like <laughs> but yeah. it's it's not bad it's just it it does cater to sheldon's yeah and i i i appreciate i don't know the the energy of newer trek of trying to get it like with more real feeling people in these ships I I like, right? Because next gen, everyone like they they play into the utopia of everyone being very like, you know, uh noble and but like everyone seems kind of like a buzzkill. Like if you went and hung out with them, they'd be like, What's your favorite classical music? And you'd be like, Right, why don't <laughs> you have next... normal interests, Jordy, or on... whatever? <laughs> on next gen, there's really only three interesting characters like that are actually worth exploring in a, in a sci-fi context, which Worf. is Picard, Picard, Worf, and Data. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Um, and they figure that out like pretty, pretty quickly, like Worf and Data are, get all of the sort of like, what is it? What is humanity episodes? Yeah. And Picard gets the like, you know, hard moralist questions. Yes. 
Yes, and Worf gets the the sort of you know uh, man of two worlds kind of kind of content. Yeah, and, and Deanna Troy gets what if your mom sucks, <laughs> <laughs> and Jordy gets but but what if my holodeck girlfriend could like oh, um, I so what I think is what I think is interesting about this show is that it's the it's the it's the far swing in the other direction, right? Like because Discovery is a like aside from our complaints about it earlier in the show, uh, like it's really good at like it does a fuck ton of representation, uh, and you know all but guaranteeing that that the the right wing goblins will never watch it, which is like mm-hmm. fine, uh, yeah. because it's Fucking. like co- so completely on its sleeve about like yeah that we're the representation show, and we're doing it. I like it when it's yeah, but I like it when it's it's almost more combative than trying to make a point like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna. I'm putting a black person in my show. If you don't like it, then fine. Yeah. Then, then right. See you later. Yeah. Exactly. Like if that's all it takes to get rid of you, then I don't care. Yeah. Bye. And so that's been fun. And they talk and interact a lot more like normal, like what you would expect a, a person to interact like, uh, yeah. rather than sort of like these these like paragons of virtue On sort screen. of floating floating through plots <laughs> trying to like I, I don't know there's something there's something more real about characters that we're putting now and I'm partly I think that's just like modern TV but yeah. this show feels like like my college friends ended up on a sh- on a ship you know what I mean mm-hmm. like right. maybe a little too real but good for the comedy um and I, I I like that vibe and and I'm so completely open for different types of content in the Star Trek universe like we always talk about the Marvel Cinematic Universe as like, no, try new things. Like, like if you've seen Werewolf by Night, that's very fun. It's a different play into a different genre just for a hot second. We want to see more of that kind of thing. But I think there's room in Star Trek to to play with tone at the very least, if not like some stretching of genre. And yeah. for that, and I really appreciate like this show. It sounds like they're they're sort of going towards that. There's like the show with uh, with the Hollow Janeway. That's like an animated show for kids. It's like yeah. Uh, Visionary. I don't, I don't remember. And Star Trek Prodigy is similar. Prodigy. It's a kids show. Yeah, that's it's, what I mean. It's, yeah, Prodigy. Yeah. Oh, is that the same one? I thought yeah. there were two. I thought there I was. I think there two. are two. There's, Pro- there's yeah. Prodigy. There may be something else. In I the watched works, the first but... couple of episodes of Prodigy. It's not bad, but it's definitely a kids show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um. Also, it's worth mentioning there is a planned uh crossover episode with Strange New Worlds planned for a brave next space? season with with Lower Decks. Where oh, Boimler, nice. Boimler and Mariner, their actors, Jack Quaid and Tony Newsom, are playing themselves in Strange New Worlds. Somehow. That'd be fun. Uh, so there's like, some sort of weird time travel shenanigans? Something. Yeah. But they That's are, in fun. fact, uh, going to be playing their own characters in live That's action. That's really for- fun. Yes. And and Brave New Worlds have Brave New Worlds. God, I I'm so I, I say I'm that so, all the fucking time. Yes. Strange New Worlds. that but also but I'm also I mean, we were talking about how like the referentialness of this show is is manageable. Mm-hmm. Uh just talking about it for an hour and I mentioned it earlier has has filled my cup of being able to just like pull in, <laughs> pull in pull in other things at at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Like I I just I I'm I'm at capacity. Anyway, so straight uh <laughs> Strange, strange new space is uh, <laughs> is not afraid to be pretty silly. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I like my cozy mysteries entire, in space. Strange new world's entire nature as a show that exists concurrent with another canon show 
It's let's uh, do TNG with modern, like with some modern writing. Like let's update the show, but well, it's, it's TNG. Well, it's right? TOS. Kind of, yeah. Because it's before, right? Because it's before original series. And so with the, so almost all of their references in that show or like plot ideas or entire episodes. Did TOS episodes. have that many silly episodes? No. I mean, aside, not, like I know it was silly and it was much more hey, campy in hey, general. Hey, hey but... boys. Hey, boys. I'm going to have to cut us off here <laughs> because otherwise yeah. if we go any more minutes on this for tax reasons, we become a Star Trek podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and that shows up fair. on my permanent record. Fair, so, fair, fair, fair. Uh, we, my we have to duck out. Um, we clearly have a lot to say. No, we just uh, love Star Trek. If you, we love if Star you, Trek. If you opted into this episode, you're welcome. Yeah, you're you're in the family. Yeah, you're among friends. Come and talk yeah. to us about Star Trek on our Discord. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we thanks very much. Trek. We could do a Star Trek channel. Hell yeah. Thanks for Trek. Thanks for trekking with us. And uh, we'll see you all next Tuesday. Bye.